Welcome to House of Data, a show exploring how data is influencing decisions at the most ambitious companies in housing. I'm your host, Alex Bridgman. Together, we will dive into how housing market participants are ingesting, organizing, and making decisions using data and the competitive advantages that follow. I am the Director of Data Strategy at Altos Research, owned by HW Media, and we supply some of the most dynamic companies in housing with unique intelligence across every housing market nationwide. You can learn more about Altus Research and this podcast by going to altusresearch.com or by sending me an email at alex at hwmedia.com. My guest in this episode is Stuart White, CEO of Realtracks, who represents the largest MLS in Tennessee with a comprehensive property search and data platform. Realtracks recently announced the Southeast MLS Alliance with the largest MLSs in Tennessee, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Georgia to set new standards for data accessibility. Stuart and I talk about what the new alliance means, data challenges agents face, developing better data tools for agents, and the future of Realtracks and MLSs broadly. Please enjoy this episode with Stuart White. Stuart, it's good to see you. Good to chat with you a little bit more. Um, we've chatted before about real tracks and it's exciting to see that uh, alliance come through um would you just kind of give us a, a quick walkthrough of your own background up until real tracks sure um the i've been doing this for a very long time um i grew up in western kentucky went to school at texas a&m and uh in 1996 i was working for the nashville board of realtors at the time and they hired me to merge four MLSs in Middle Tennessee. And they hired me as an interim CEO and no one ever got around to, to removing me. And so I've been do- in the MLS world for 28 years now, do- doing real tracks. So what, what do you think has changed the most in those 28 years with the MLSs? What, what stands out to you? <laughs> we started off uh, moving folks from dumb terminals to uh, an internet-based system uh, that we, we hired some folks out of Oak Ridge. So the, the advent of the mouse and the internet have been obviously the most dramatic in the industry. Um, and just the, the resistance to change at every step in time has not changed. Uh, and so people do not like change. They still don't like change. Um, but I think that, uh, for the MLSs themselves, probably the grasp that they are a technology provider, um, as opposed to an extension of the code of ethics or something like that, that I think that that's probably the biggest mental shift that's, that's taken place and that's going, that is continuing to take place. Yeah, you talked earlier about um, a shifting mindset from seeing the MLS as more of a you know, service or that code of ethics to being a tool and something that agents can be using throughout their work. Um, can you talk about that shift over time? Yeah, well, it's uh, <laughs> for real tracks. I mean, it's we've always been a product company. We started writing our system, you know, working with a company called Market Links. Um, back in 97. So we've been a product, we've been in the product world for a while. So for us to talk about it being a tool, we've always looked at it as being a tool uh, for the agents to use uh, and brokers. And I, 
never really enjoyed having vendor relationships because you become the chief winding officer. I want this and I want this and I want this and they, you know, um, but I think that that, that shift into that has escalated, of course, in the past few years, just because, um, people don't see the technology as having borders anymore. I think COVID did a huge number on folks to go, hey, real estate's without borders. Technology is without borders, at least in this space, because we're very, you know, real estate's very location-oriented, but the technology and the data are not. And so I think that that has escalated tremendously over the past few years. Yeah, what do you think is the... Um, like beyond what, what other changes stood out to you from COVID that kind of real estate has no borders is kind of interesting, like mindset shift. Were there any other notable things coming out of COVID that changed from your perspective? Well, as a, as a product company, you know, it allowed us to, to actually solidify a work from home situation set up, you know, so we have talent that can be anywhere in the country to, um, help us with our application development and that sort of thing. So I think that that's been extremely um, helpful to us as a company. We've been way more productive than since, since COVID than we were before. And I think that um, it's helped, it, it facilitated the opportunity for people to reevaluate what their purpose is, what their mission is. Um, so kind of soft things that impacted, but, you know, apart from everybody moving everywhere else in the country and saying, I, I want information about this real estate marketplace. What do you mean there's an MLS that you don't have access to? Um, I think those kinds of things have, have moved the needle when consumers expect data from everywhere and, and their realtor says, oh, I belong to this MLS, but not this other MLS. So let me contact somebody there so you can get the information you need. I think that that has changed a lot and the, ex the need and the expectation has changed a lot. Yeah. an expectation, it seems like the expectations for data and the quality of listings has gone up to like a, from a consumer standpoint, like I feel like I've, I'm seeing the 3d tours of properties way more since COVID um, when everyone had to figure out ways to get, people to see tours and properties without actually being in person and all that. So it, it seems like that's become not quite mainstay, but pretty, pretty close to table stakes in some, in some areas. I would agree with that. I would, I actually, the technology improvements and the adjustment to how properties are shown and how you, you know, the visual representations and all of that have, have definitely changed over the past few years. Um, I just, from the from a larger perspective, it's just there are no more silos. There should be no more silos, and I think that's what the consumers expect. Yeah, from a from a consumer standpoint, like I want to see all the listings everywhere. I don't I don't even think about the MLSs when I'm looking at you know a, a home to buy or a, a place to rent. So um, that makes a ton of sense to bring that over too. Um, the Southeast MLS Alliance was a really big. Uh, news story uh, near the end of last year. Uh, can you talk about the significance of that and kind of what that looks like? Absolutely. So, um, you know, it's really important who you pick as partners 
and this has been one of the the, the most satisfying processes to go go through because I feel like the uh, MLSs we've partnered with are very much aligned with us and our our culture and our desires and our outcome and the service to the agents and brokers. So that would be uh, Canopy MLS in, in um, uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, and then Charleston Regional in Charleston, South Carolina, and Georgia MLS in Atlanta. And so the, the, the four largest MLSs in the four states came together, and it took us about a year to get all the details um, uh, ironed out about what that would look like. Um, it was, we definitely wanted the complete experience for the agents and brokers if they're looking for property in those marketplaces. So we, we picked MLS Grid as a platform to um, host the data share. And we wanted the, the data to be integrated into each, each of the MLS's systems. And so that um, integrated experience is what we're working through right now um, because there's a lot of a lot of work that has to be done to make that happen. Yeah, when you, when you talk about the, the details being worked out over the course of a year um, in terms of how the alliance would be structured and set up, what kind of questions did you all go over in formalizing the alliance? Your two primary, obviously, is the platform that you're going to use to, for the data share and how it's going to be implemented. Um, the other kind of ancillary questions were, do we wait until everyone has it integrated before we release it? Do you, you know, because each MLS and their vendors operate at different speeds. Um, how is that, you know, what kind of license does that look like? So there's a lot of IP and um, discussion and work that has to be talked through, you know, as far as how it can be used, who you can send the data to, who's using the system, has access to it, and so all of those sorts of things. And then also the conversation about what's going to happen with compensation in MLSs, and you have to, uh, due to all these lawsuits that are going around, you know, you have to make accommodations for that. What if the offer of compensation is goes away in the near future, you know, or if it's optional in one MLS, what does that look like for the participants in the other? So those are all the kinds of questions that, that come up about the details. But really, they're, when you're dealing with people that you, you know, have the same goals in mind, it was pretty easy to, to answer those questions. Yeah, certainly. And a big piece of it is, of course, the data sharing across each of those MLSs and then leads. Um, what other benefits come with an alliance like this? Technology is always and use of data is always evolving right so we've got obviously ai and everything's going to change our world we, we're not really sure if we like that or not you know uh, i will have to put myself in the change of verse category on that but um the the use of the data is going to evolve so leads are important but we're not always going to have a, a seller's market There'll be a time when sellers really care about how much exposure and how many potential buyers are looking at the properties. So I think that that, that network is to expand that network is really important um, for the value of, of the systems that we're offering in our respective states. Um, but also there, there'll be uh, analytic products that come out of this and 
it's it's just really exciting because the 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 network and and we talk about the network effect and we've talked about that the last time we got together. Um, it's critical. So the larger your network, the more valuable it is. Yeah, can you dive into that that network piece a little bit more too? Everybody everybody wants to be the marketplace, right? So you've got Amazon vying for to dominate the retail world, you know, and they've done a pretty good job of it. And you've got Walmart that's sitting there saying, well, we're going to compete in that space. So they've made extreme efforts to become the, the a retail marketplace. And the same is true um, in real estate is you've got folks vying from, from Zillow to Homes to Realtor.com to be the marketplace. Um, and it's all really about the network that they can build and where people go to find houses. Um, and so within the real estate community itself, the, the use of agents and brokers have, has skyrocketed. So their network needs to be as good and as robust as what the consumers are seeing. And so the larger your network can be in providing those professional services, the more relevant you are to their business going forward. So the keep diving into those professional services a little bit more too. If I'm a consumer looking for properties, there are probably 10 to 15 fields that I really care about to search for. But when you're a professional and your responsibility is to know everything that there is to know about a piece of property, how you search and what information is in the system you're using becomes really important. So, um, and this is the hard part for these, the, doing the data share is making all that work together. Um, and I'll give you an example. So uh, the way we search for a primary bedroom on the first floor is different from the way people in Charleston and Canopy and Georgia MLS search for primary bedroom on the first floor. So um, you want to make sure that what you're looking for, first of all, you're getting all the listings. Um, but secondly, if I want the primary bedroom on the first floor and we're having a baby or I've got aging parents and I need another bedroom on the on the first floor, what does that look like in the search experience? So so a professional a, a professionals meeting that need um, for a buyer is really um, dependent upon the system they use. I don't know that you can get that from any consumer website that's out there. And so it's that it's the robustness of the experience for them and what they can provide to their clients and customers that's really critical to keeping that realtor, uh, that real estate licensee at the center of that transaction, their value. Yeah, it's an interesting data question to solve too a you know there's four bedrooms but i also want to know where like which floor they're on or is there an adu that counts as a bedroom all that other stuff so that that's an interesting like data question what what other types of data challenges do agents often run into that something like real tracks can help with well data validation of course the, the quality of the data is really critical and there are rules engines out there to make sure it's accurate but <laughs> I will say this with a broad paintbrush. A lot of MLSs will allow garbage to go into the system and then clean it up afterward. And so our approach has always been to, to validate the data on entry 
um, so that you don't have people searching a city with the wrong zip code, with the wrong school district, with the, you know, those kinds of, of things that come from a lot of different sources. And so we make sure that that information is correct going into the system as opposed to trying to keep it correct after it goes in. So that's just one example of, of the process that, that we're going through. And now we're getting data from four other, from three other MLSs, and we got to make sure it's as good as what we have control over, you know? So it's, it's a challenge. So what does that look like a better, when you say a better data intake process? So agent is posting this home and entering data about it. What are some ways that you can kind of check as they input data to make sure it's accurate or the style and format matches your different data standards? What, what are some ways that that process is improved? Um, well, he who controls ad edit <laughs> controls the quality of the product of the data that's in there, right? So if you've got three different ad edit systems feeding one database and you're consuming those back into your system, that that validation is um, it looks different. And so so you've got validation from what's input at the real tracks level, and then you've got validation of what's input from Georgia MLS, and now we're we're bringing that in. So we have checks that go through all of the data gets show us every error that that occurs where it doesn't fit. And so then the decision is, what do you do with those errors? And and so we've you have to build some rules that say, okay, if I'm getting this, they really meant to put that in this zip code. You know, if I'm getting this street address, they really meant that it goes in, in this um, town as opposed to whatever else they put in there. You know, so uh, it's it's an engineering challenge, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what other changes do you see happening with with real tracks over time? Like, what's the what's the future for? for the business in your mind beyond this, this first alliance? I assume first of many, perhaps. Well, we, I mean, we're, we operate on a, on a very lean principle. So we're, this is a test. Um, and if this is uh, successful, we'll look at what's next, you know? So, so that is, that's kind of how we operate. We've, we've looked at the company from, really what's our growth potential. So we're a for-profit company, um, product company in the MLS space. So we can really grow in three ways. We can grow our network, which provides value to the network, but it's not necessarily easily monetized, right? So, you, so, you, so the network can be valuable, but it's hard to monetize that. We can grow our footprint, which would be our service area and bringing on additional users in different areas and we can grow our product. So we're, we're looking at options to grow our product because we're still running into, to, um, boundaries, walls, you know, uh, from people saying, um, well, this is my territory. You shouldn't be working here. You know, you shouldn't be operating in this area. Uh, so we, we run into those boundary things. And so, um, 
I believe that'll change uh, with over time, but it, it's just a long process. Um, and so the product we're looking at, how can we solve broker and agents problems and what problems are they facing in their businesses? And we're looking at gaps and, and those sorts of things. And so that's where we're concentrating on our, our product growth as opposed to our, our footprint, so to speak. You said if this is a success, you could expand it to other alliances. How would you, how would you define a success for the Southeast Alliance? What would make this, you know, yes, big success, this worked or didn't work, try something else? Um, well, first of all, the user experience, right? So, so if, if the data is integrated well and easily into the product and, and, um, brokers and agents are able to, to do referrals and, and set up, uh, listing notifications and those sorts of things for different marketplaces and our, our leads go back from, um, that to the listing agent and they see value in that, um, then yeah, it's a success. And so we've provided value to the, to the actual expansion of the network. Um, the worst thing in my mind is that people go, ah, so what, <laughs> you know, that's great. You did all that work to integrate, uh, uh, you know, expand your database five times, but we don't really care. That would be the worst outcome. And we go, yeah, we're not investing any more, uh, resources into that. So, uh, yeah, that would be that would be painful. Um, what other uh, any other challenges you think you may have in the next few years that you're potentially going to have to figure out how to overcome? I, I think that, like, while we're a product company, we're not um, necessarily an innovator, which is fine. Everybody wants wants us to integrate AI, AI you know, and you're like. That's such the Wild West right now. You know, I could do a commercial for Salesforce. Um, it is the Wild West. And we're, it's like we, we tend to um, concentrate and focus on things that our agents that are, that are established or have a proven track record in the marketplace um, and then see how we can implement that for our users. So I think that this, this expansion of technology offers and, you know, like you were talking about the virtual tours and things like that. I mean, we haven't really embraced that, so to speak yet, because it's not, there's not a standard that's out there. So you may spend time integrating a certain platform and it's gone in six months or, you know, so, so I think those are the challenges is to, to pick what works and what's proven because, I mean, we're a small company. You know, we can't do everything. And so our demand always exceeds capacity. And so we concentrate on what the what the what our customers need immediately. You know, so what are what they can identify and we can explore and create and, and, and grow product uh, that meets certain needs that they have. So I think that's the challenge is keeping that balance between um, demand and capacity and the demand just keeps going up from a technology standpoint and then everything changes you know you get a new ios system and it's like okay we got to go back and and manage this piece 
So yeah, I was recently uh, I was recently exploring speaking of the AI. I was, I was exploring Chat GPT four, where it now has a, a data function, so you can upload a spreadsheet and ask it to manipulate it or break out addresses into different columns or create a you know a financial statement for you or something else. And um, it's it's getting pretty good. And it will give you versions, and you can say, oh, change this and that, and it'll give you a new version. Um, so yeah, AI is is coming a long way. Um, any, what changes do you see happening with MLSs over the next few years? There's been a lot of consolidation. Do you think that'll continue or what other things do you see on the horizon? The consolidation will continue. I mean, it's, we have 522, we haven't gotten the newest report out, which should be out sometime this month. Um, but as of last year, there were 522 MLSs in the country and I, I believe the vast majority of those were less than 250 users. Um, so consolidation will continue, but I, I think it's going to require, I think it won't happen until something dramatic happens with either the lawsuits or competitors in the marketplace and people just go, okay, I don't want to be in this business anymore. Uh, so how can I provide the value to my members? Uh, and this is kind of the association run MLSs. Um, how can I provide that value to them and get out of the business? Um, so, so I, th I think it will, but it's going to be at a, a still a slow pace, and and it seems like it's painfully slow to me right now. But uh, <laughs> I think that'll happen. I think that um, the lawsuits will have an impact. Um, you have. There are a lot of MLSs that don't require realtor membership to the to their to access their MLS. Um, I think that that's going to be the next battle between um, brokerage firms and the associations is to say, hey, we want MLS, but we don't want to have to be a realtor to to access the the system and the tool that that's valuable to us. I just I think that it's an ever changing landscape. And like I said, there are competitors out there with huge war chests that are looking to be the marketplace. And so if, if something like, um, there's no offer of compensation at all in MLSs, then really we're just another website, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, so it puts the, the onus on us to, to look at the, the, licensees and agents and brokers and realtors as actual customers and not members and saying, what do you need as a customer so that we maintain this relevance in the space? Yeah, certainly. Well, Stuart, thank you for coming on House of Data. It was good to chat with you a little bit more. Excited about Realtracks. Thank you for taking a little more time and, and sharing all about it. Really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me. It's been fun. Thank you for listening to House of Data. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving a review and introducing the show to a friend in data to help more folks discover the podcast. For more information about Altus Research and the podcast, check us out at altusresearch.com or send me an email at alex at hwmedia.com.